At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome into the program. It is Follow the Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Mitch Moss along with Jonathan Von Tobel in today for Paulie Howard. In about five minutes, Mike Puma is going to join the program as he covers the Mets for the New York Post. It's uh, supposed to be Jacob deGrom day today. We'll find out exactly where they are with him as we're approximately, what, nine hours, I think, from first pitch later on today with deGrom coming off of uh, a couple of starts where he left each of them a little bit early. Wanted to play you this from uh, over the weekend again. And uh, we, we, we've talked a lot about the studio show over the last week and a half or so. Like the NBA on TNT to me is the best studio show like of my lifetime. I think what they have and what they have had with Shaq Right mm-hmm. and Barkley and Ernie Johnson and the Jet as well is just superb television all the time. But the guarantees with Barkley last night guaranteed the 76ers in a rowdy said, can absolutely kill the Hawks. All right, uh, this is Barkley from Saturday night, right during the broadcast of the Bucks Nets game. I'm gonna tell you something right now. The Milwaukee Bucks. I said it last week when they were down three-two. I said, they're going to win the world championship. We might as well deal with that. I, that's my personal opinion. I think they beat Philly or Atlanta and whoever come out the West. But my opinion right now, I'll take a bet on anybody I want to put it. I'm taking the Milwaukee Bucks to win the championship. You know, so here's the thing with that, right? I actually do believe, well, B- Barkley's got the bankroll here. Right. So he could go toe-to-toe like if some super sharp, betters out there that exist across the world. Actually, we're able to get in touch with Barkley and say, okay, give me a yes, no on this. I will bet you a million dollars. Yes, right? even money, no, minus 130 here. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. And in fact, I bet guys would be able to match him and say, I'll give, I want more than a million Barkley. Charles on this, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I bet behind the scenes that if like TNT never found out about it or Barkley wanted to actually like do this on his own, I bet you he would. Of course. Like, there's no doubt in my mind, actually, that Barkley would probably get involved with something like this. So, I don't know. What do you think of that? His guarantees have just been, and again, I think it's very entertaining with what they do. Yeah. His picks are just as bad as I've ever seen in my life. They are. And well, and even this one, right, like we talked about, the same game, right, he was like, ah, you know they're going to lose at halftime. But he also said they were going to win. He's yes. just rolling both sides. Yeah. But he's also, well, he's coming from a position of strength. It's the favorite to win the championship at this point right now. So I would, I'm pretty high on Milwaukee in the series in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they'll move on against the Atlanta Hawks. And I will say, the Suns, I think, present some interesting matchup challenges no to them if it's going to be the Suns. And if the Clippers somehow get the full strength that Kawhi's back and they win that series. There was a story that was passed down a couple of days ago. If you remember, Kawhi in the Eastern Conference Finals of Game 2, they asked, he walked in, Nick Nurse walked into the locker room apparently about adjustments, and Kawhi told him, the adjustment is I guard Giannis, and he left the room. And they ended up winning four straight in that series. Yep. There's something there. If if Kawhi came back and he was healthy and the Clippers get by the Suns, I would probably 
really, really like the Clippers. Yeah. Depending on the price, where it would come out at. They got the shooting. They got everything to they're, handle them. I mean, I think their shooting would eviscerate the Bucks. Let's follow the money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Mike Puma is going to join the program up next. Uh, covers the Mets for the New York Post. So where are we at? DeGrom is supposed to go today. Like, for how long? We'll ask him coming up next. This is Brent Musburger, and here is your VSIN action update. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. Atlanta Hawks with a 103 96 win over the Philadelphia 76ers as a seven point underdog to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee. Game one of that series of the Pfizer Forum Wednesday. Bucks playing eight and a half, total 229 and a half. NHL Stanley Cup playoff semifinals coming up tomorrow. Vegas, a $2.56 home ice favorite against Montreal. Five and a half under at the T-Mobile Arena. That series even at two games each. Baseball today, the Dodgers are a $1.12 underdog at San Diego, laying $1.22. Six and a half over the total at Petco Park in San Diego. Be sure to check out our new betting splits feature on vcin.com before you place your next bet every day. We're posting the latest splits for games at current odds and what percentage of bets and money being placed on each game. Go to vcin.com and check out the betting splits plus live odds, line moves, and game analysis. Makes vcin.com the best place to visit before your next bet. With your action update, I'm Mike Senna. Get the latest vcin odds at vsin.com. And remember, cash and tickets is what it's all about. Time to follow the money with your hosts, Mitch Moss and Polly Howard. This summer, it's time to update your sports betting wardrobe with some new VSIN gear. We've got hats, shirts, and mugs with the VSIN logo or fun sports betting sayings like cashing tickets is what it's all about, and it's not under until it's over. Visit the VSIN store today at vsin.com slash store and find the perfect item for yourself or as a gift. Again, that's vsin.com slash store. So it's a, an abbreviated card today in Major League Baseball, but JVT on it. Uh, we are supposed to get the best pitcher in Major League Baseball, Jacob DeGrom, as the Mets take on the Braves in a doubleheader. Again, back-to-back days of a doubleheader for the Atlanta Braves. And uh, Mike Puma covers the uh, New York Mets for the New York Post, and he's kind enough to join us here for a couple of minutes on a Monday morning. Mike, it's good to talk to you today. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing this morning? Doing really well, really well. So as we sit here approximately, you know, what, nine hours or so away from first pitch, where are we at with Jacob DeGrom? Does it look like he is, in fact, going to go out there and pitch today? Yeah, all the indications are he's ready to go. He, you know, he's thrown his uh, normal uh, in-between starts, bullpen sessions, says he feels good. Uh, you know, he's been all smiles the last couple of days, uh, relaxed. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd be stunned if he didn't pitch today. Okay, that said, like, what do you... What's the game plan? How transparent is the organization being with this? Is there a pitch count on him today? A number of innings, in theory, that they would be willing. And it's a, it's a double it's a doubleheader, obviously. So the game one's only going to be seven innings. So it's not like he's going to go a complete game and throw 120 pitches in nine innings anyway. But any idea what that could look like today? Well, it's interesting because he hasn't gone uh, higher than uh, 80, 85 pitches. Uh, um, since April here, because he's you know he, he's run into a uh, couple of setbacks along the way. He had the uh, uh, right side discomfort in May. He came back from that after missing two starts, and then he uh, 
was in the middle of a, a, a start and had some uh, elbow discomfort before he had this uh, latest uh, shoulder uh, discomfort. So, you know, he, he hasn't thrown more than 80, 85 pitches uh, in a while here. So I, I would probably look for him to throw in that neighborhood. Uh, and as you mentioned, it is a doubleheader, so he doesn't have to go um, all seven innings. You know, I, I think if they get uh, five plus six, uh, they'd be fine with that. My, am I wrong? Maybe I'm reading too much into it. There seems to be a, a weird air of trepidation around this latest injury for DeGrom. You know, I was reading some quotes from the New York media after this went, recently went down that maybe there seemed to be some tenseness about this now with DeGrom. This is the second, not setback, but second time we've seen him sidelined for a bit. Is there maybe a little bit of tense nature around this? That Not even that it's too serious, but hey, this is the second time this guy's had to deal with something. Maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit and ease up the workload. Yeah, and that's certainly uh, one thing they've talked about and they, they thought about now. DeGrom seems to think his latest uh, shoulder injury, if you want to call it an injury, uh, occurred swinging the bat the last time. And if so, it'd be the, the, the second time he, he's kind of tweaked something swinging. As you guys probably know, he's, he's got six RBIs this year. He's hitting 423. So when he plays, he hits. And uh, I think that'll be interesting to watch here too. Um, you know, with him out there, what, what they do with him at the plate? Do they, they do they let him swing away, or do they they pump the brakes on that and say, okay, uh, you're either you know going to bunt or take? So uh, I, I'm I'm going to be interested to see what happens there. Let's follow the money here on Vsin, the sports betting network. Mike Puma covers the Mets for the New York Post. He joins the program here early on a Monday morning. Jacob DeGrom scheduled to go today in game one of a doubleheader uh, against the Braves. Have they given any thought? Have they kicked around the idea of, like, look, Jacob, I mean, you're having one of the best seasons in the history of this sport, but it is now a couple of times on the year, like JVT just said, Mike, where, hey, you know, missed a couple of starts, and uh, you've been injured here a little bit. Can we, can we maybe have you take one start off or two starts off? Have they kicked around the idea of that? I know. I know they talked about it, and you know, Luis Rojas, the manager, has been uh, has been very. Um, I don't want to say secretive, but he's he's been very subtle uh, heading into this start about you know kind of what the plan is, and you know, he's he his standard line is it's a day to day approach with him. They don't want to uh, get too far ahead of themselves, but uh, you know, Degrom admits that they did talk about. You know, maybe shutting it down a little bit, and uh, the, the the competitor in Degrom wants to be out there, and I I think the Mets are giving him the benefit of the, the doubt in that uh, the MRI exams have come back clean, and um, they haven't been able to to really hang their hat on any anything that's causing this. So um, I, I think they're, they're giving Degrom the benefit of the doubt right now that he wants to be out there, and, and the team, I mean. Let's be honest. The team certainly wants him out there. They have a, they have enough uh, problems right now with injuries that uh, you know they don't they don't need to be absent their ace uh, for for a stretch here. Yeah, no kidding. So th- they continue to like lead this division, and no team in the National League East, Mike, is really making a serious run at them yet, which is kind of perplexing to me. I can't believe the Braves are still struggling like this. Uh, the Phillies might be a team that I guess can make a little bit of a run. But as long as they continue to lead this division, it looks like, you know, can win it, be a playoff team, obviously, and with him, anything could happen, DeGrom. But 
they're going to have to add some offense at some point, probably sooner than later, correct? Yeah, and, it, you know, one piece they're getting back today, uh, Jeff McNeil, mm-hmm. set to yep. come off the injured list. He's, uh, you know, he missed the last a little over a month with a hamstring, and uh, Michael Conforto is going to be right behind him this week within a few days. And uh, Brandon Nimmo uh, started playing a minor league rehab game yesterday for AAA Syracuse. So but that's uh, three important bats that, uh, are coming back here, you know, within this week. Um, so yeah, that they have they have to start hitting a little bit here because uh, this weekend in Washington they they were very flat. Speaking of the injured list too, yet a new addition there. Lucchese was great on Friday, five and a third scoreless, uh, but elbow inflammation always sounds kind of worrisome. Is there a worry about Lucchese in the long run, or is this just a short stint on the IL? He'll be back. Well, there's a, he's going to get an MRI exam today, and still no more, but. You know, you, you don't you don't like to hear elbow elbow yeah, no going. That's, that's 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 not a good thing. And they 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 don't have that rotation depth right now. And uh, you know, we're we're going to probably see one of uh, one of the guys they hope can step in 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 the, in the second game of the doubleheader uh, with Jared Eikhoff, who's uh, up from Syracuse and uh, going to get a shot here in the rotation, at least in the short term. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. If DeGrom, has there been a lot of chatter about DeGrom's MVP chances this year? I think we all know that if he stays healthy and finishes out the year, I mean, forget about the Saw Young. In terms of the MVP, certainly the National League has some really good candidates at the top along with DeGrom. Tatis, although he got hurt again over the weekend. Acuna in Atlanta. Maybe a couple of guys on the Reds offensively if they could actually win some more games and be in the thick of things. But has there been any chatter about how historical his season is and whether or not he could actually take down the MVP this year? Well, uh, you can hear the MVP chance everywhere the Mets go because uh, you know the Mets have a have, have great fans that travel all over the country. And every time the Instagram uh, pitches or, or comes up with another hit, you hear the MVP chance. And I, you know, I, right now he, he looks like the MVP a guy with a zero five four ERA. Uh, Swinging the bat well, as we mentioned, uh, it's going to be interesting. Now, you know, he's going to keep up at this pace. It's hard to fathom a guy keeping up at this pace for the rest of the season. But you know, here we are on uh, June 21st, and a guy with a sub, you know, well below a sub one ERA. It, it, it's amazing. So I'm, I want to ask your thought. Mitch mentioned the division. So if we're looking at some of these betting odds, is like minus four twenty is a pretty high price. We're talking about a probability on that price of eighty point eight percent. Does that seem high? Like an eighty percent chance that this Mets team is going to win this division? Maybe it, maybe a tad high. You know, I I I, I think it'd probably be the favorite right now. You know, you you look at. Uh, I mean, I, I still have a hard time believing that that they're the only team with a winning record right now in the division. Uh, I expect somebody to make a run, whether it's the Phillies or the Braves, maybe the Braves when they get healthy. I, I, I don't think it's going to stay this way. I think there's going to be that one team that gets hot here and, and really uh, challenges the Mets and that we have a, a dogfight down the stretch. Uh, Mike, you also recently had a book that dropped. This is back in April. It's called If These Walls Could Talk, uh, the New York Mets stories from the Mets dugout locker room in the press box. Tell us a little bit about the book. I mean, certainly this organization has been fascinating, I can imagine, to cover, but how far do you go back specifically with some yeah, of these stories? Yeah, I start back 20-plus uh, years ago, basically when I started covering baseball, and it starts with the Valentine era in the late 90s, kind of 
the build up to the Subway Series, and you know, kind of goes right through the uh, the end of the, uh, the David Wright era with the club. And uh, it, yeah, it was just a lot of fun to write. Uh, I, I did about three dozen fresh interviews uh, for the book, talking to players, managers, executives from uh, all the eras, and uh, it's uh, you know, there's some stuff I uncovered that hadn't been uh, hadn't been reported before, and uh, I, I think it's a fun book. Very cool. Can you tell us if that was really a raccoon earlier this year, like between the clubhouse and the dugout or wherever that was at? <laughs> I don't know for sure, but uh, if I if I were a gambling man, I would say it wasn't a raccoon. Was or a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the book is called uh, "If These Walls Could Talk." The Mets uh, stories from the dugout, locker room, and press box available now, paperback and Amazon. And he, and uh, Mike does a great job covering the Mets. For the New York Post, and, and just to confirm again, you think that Degrom, as long as he, like the plan is here, they're going to pitch him today, like eighty or 80, uh, 80 to eighty-five pitches. Yeah, I, I would think that's the idea here. Uh, I, I would say eighty to eighty-five pitches, and again with the the, the double header, you know, I, I don't I don't think they need him to to go uh, seven innings. Very good, Mike. Thanks so much for the time today. We appreciate that. All right, great guys. Thanks. Yeah, take care. There you go, Mike Puma covers the Mets for the New York Post. And eighty to eighty-five. So if that if that actually happens, who's pitching the whole game? Pretty much, <laughs> right? Seven innings again. Well, just how yeah, how efficient he can be. Let's just go. Let's mow him down. And the strikeout prop then, which again I did not see a little earlier when I checked. I think books are going to be cautious with this today, obviously. But if he do, if he does throw eighty to eighty-five pitches, he can strike out ten guys. Of course. He just did that two starts ago when he had a one-hitter. He struck out 10 in six innings. Well, and he's been great against the Braves in his career as well, which helps to a certain extent, right? I, mean, yeah. I think he didn't. I was looking through the numbers you were you sent over. He didn't have an XFIP against the Braves higher than 368 in his career. Like He's been uh, – it's bloody brilliant how good he can be. And Freeman is the one guy who hits him okay. Like, yeah. he has three home runs off of him. But it's a – but here's the thing. Like, DeGrom's going to have great numbers against every team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like in that division, which will be a larger sample size, obviously, the Nationals – the Marlins, the Braves, etc. Um, his numbers are just going to look absolutely dazzling because he's been so good now for so long. Right, and well, and now you're talking about a lineup that one you've had success against, but two has the eighth highest strikeout rate, right, in terms of a lineup as a whole at this point right now. So, I mean, if you're hanging these K props, I, I don't see, given that information, given what we know about the Braves, I don't see why you would really adjust too much, other than the fact that it's a shortened game, like in terms of what you usually hang with the Grom in terms in the uh, the K props. So, what do you say? You say 80% chance, and that equates to what in the money line or the future? The, 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 the odds we showed was minus 420, so yeah, minus, minus 420 is so, yeah. probability of 80.8%. Seems a bit high. That seems really high. Yeah. Just, like given, And it's not even just about the Mets, right? Think about this. If Lucchese is done, right, that's another guy. We're talking about him, Carrasco, and um, Noah Syndergaard, right? Their pitching depth, is, as Mike mentioned, is pretty shorthanded after that. You're talking about a lineup that has no pop really whatsoever outside of Alonso. They're waiting for Jeff McNeil to come back, and McNeil this year is like a 252. McNeil's yeah. been better in the past, but still, if you're waiting for him to come back to add some punch to your lineup, like you're just talking about over the grand course of a season, you're telling me they're winning this 81% of the time? That seems really hot. That's a really, really big number. Yeah. It is. Now, I'll tell you a team that continues to linger here as we get closer to the All-Star break, the Giants. Yeah. And I just I keep using that word. Everybody just like it's gonna. I think for the most part, people in their heads they have the Giants as like a mosquito. Like, get out of here, go away already. Like, eventually like, they'll fade, happen. yeah. But they continue to lead that division, yep. right? And this has been going on now for basically two and a half, coming up on three months. They're 20 games over 500. They were 85 to one in some spots to win the division before the season started. 
I think that's now down to like seven to one. Wouldn't it be baseball if uh, the whole conversation around this division, Padres or Dodgers, and they're both wild card teams? That would be. Can you imagine that seriously? Right. That happened. It'd be insane. Because I mean, the odds of that division getting three teams mm-hmm. is very good. Yep. Right now, you're only going to get one out of the East, probably. The Central is interesting because I think it, obviously Cubs are better than what anybody thought. Yes. The Reds are better, and you know they just had a terrible weekend in San Diego by getting swept all four games, and that was after they were red hot, and they just swept the Brewers actually. But that division is much better than what people anticipated, and I think that uh, they're probably going to get one team in. So that uh, that that should actually because we you know over the years since they switched to the six divisions, we don't really get like that annual uh, pennant race or the division mm-hmm. race that's kind of been taken away from us. Some of them this year with the West and with the Central and the National League alone could be fantastic down the stretch, August into September. Sure, the, the American League East, right? The Red Sox are still on top of that division. The I Rays could, have lost six straight, and like they're, they're live now. When I look at the standings, and I just I had to do like a triple take this morning. I'm like, wait a second, you're after they just went lost two or three to the Royals. Yep. And the Red Sox are now still like leading. They're on top of the East. I'm like, what? And like you look at if I were to tell you in 2021, like. When you're talking about like Garrett Richards and Nick Pavetta being like two of your better starting pitchers sure. throughout the course of a season, and they're still up there, like, and I, I would think that that is going to regress a little bit here. The Rays have a really good run differential, but you know, the Brewers are on top of that division with a negative three run differential. That's like, been going on all year long with yep. that team. It's insane, man. Uh, follow the money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Email is open. It's FTM at VSIN.com. FTM for follow the money at VSIN. Com. We will spend a little time recapping the U.S. Open, the bad beats that took place yesterday. Like for top 10, top 20, those markets oh, completely upside the head with a shovel. We will recap those coming up next. Today from the OddsTrader.com studio here at Circa Resort and Casino. OddsTrader.com. Download the free OddsTrader app right now. Start winning with up to the second info that you need. You're going to get live in-game odds and stats. You can compare sportsbook sign-up bonuses all at the website, OddsTrader.com. A little recap here. We're going to talk to Brady Cannon coming up in 20 minutes. He had John Rahm yesterday. Does he like anything earlier uh, earlier this week at the uh, Travelers Championship? And... Who is he focusing in on, if anybody, at this point for the Open Championship in July, the final major of the year? It's amazing how fast these majors go by now. Yep. You get them, bam, just like this in four consecutive months. But think about what had to happen yesterday, JVT, for you to lose DeChambeau to be top 20. <laughs> that is absolutely brutal with what took place. He had a snowman Yep. late on the back nine, one of the final holes of the day, which you pointed out like, there was a certain stretch all weekend. 10, 11, 12. He was, he was plus six Killed him. in the tournament. Killed him. But here's a guy who was leading the tournament at one point yesterday at five under. Minus five through eight with a solo lead 
Uh, this is from Data Golf. Bryson was 37% to win. He needed a birdie on 18 to finish in the top 20, and he did not. He did, did not do it. Nope. Stayed out of the top 20. <laughs> okay. But with this weekend and the way the Open played out, I think it was somewhat unique, right? Because so many of the big names were actually still alive to win this thing. Nope. And they were you know, very close to cashing, like top five, top tens, top 20s, whatever it was. DeShambo was one of them. How about Russell Henley, top 10? He had to just not bogey 18 to finish top 10. He couldn't do it. Yep. And what was he, five over for the day to finish at even par? So that's a guy who was one of the co-leaders yesterday. Three guys were tied at five under, and he could not finish top 10. That stings. And I'd say that McElroy top five yep. was a rough one. Again, he, his odds were down to, I think, in, in the live, like the in-play Numbers, I think, had like McElroy around 3-1 to one to win the event. He's 4-under. He, it's like, okay, here we go. This is the McElroy of old. He has a chance to win this event today. And just the, the way that he could not get out of the bunker, and he just completely sculled that one ball and shanked it, and it went, that was well, the putter was so off. bad. And his, the, putter, yeah, his putter right. was atrocious. Yesterday, too, like some of the statistics, he was 58th in terms of strokes gained putting yesterday. Like, that's what really let him down. Yeah. He, he was awful when he got to the green. 58th of out of, what, 60 guys who... Uh, yep, something yeah, like that. So yeah. I think, uh, yep, not good. Ugh. But also, it's like how many guys truly had a chance to win that tournament? Mm-hmm. And Rom was, he was the one guy who didn't fall apart, really, that much yesterday. Right. Well, he was finding fairways. Like, that was the thing yes. for a while. Like, what was so surprising to me was the fact that it just seemed like out of nowhere... Like, guys were just shanking balls left and right. They couldn't find the fairway. That's what happened to Bryson. Like, Bryson, you know, the bomb and gouge thing works for a little bit. And you like, you thought that maybe he was going to get away with it. But then it's like Aaron T shot, rough. All, and then you just, you can't. There was that one, was it a par five where he, it was like they showed, like, you know, the shot map of where he's going. It was like rough, rough, rough. Yep. Finally, yep. finally yep. found the green. But you can't get away with that kind of stuff on a course like this. No, that was a killer. Also, like, and I had a couple of the guys that I had in the outrights. I had Kepka. I had Morikawa, mm-hmm. and I had Xander, and I hate betting three guys near, like, in like the 25 to 1 range or below, but that's just the way it fell this week for me, and I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to call it, like, a bad beat, or I'm not bitter over this, but, like, X-Man, how many putts did he miss this week? Nope. How many, I'm not going to, there were gimmies, but just make the six-foot putt already, okay? Walk away with par, or how about this, how about you give me a birdie once in a while as well, and the other, you know... Tons of people that were on Xander this week. Kepka had a chance to win that event. But it's like what you just described with the Shambo. He, he, here, here comes Kepka. There's a birdie at two. And then a couple holes after that, just way off to the left. Mm-hmm. Aaron T shot in the rough. How does he recover here? How does he manage this uh, hole? And then Morikawa just yesterday, the, the putting. And I know our buddy Andy Jeff Seeley was tweeting about this yesterday. He's like, can you imagine if, Mor- if Morikawa can actually find a putter? Mm-hmm. If he can actually dial that? I mean, it's just... He's at four under, and this is, by the way, like after he missed, like a this is a gimme putt at three feet, and he misses it. And you're like, Colin, clean it up, pal. And then after that, he just kind of falls on his face as well, stumbles at that point. But overall, tremendous tournament. And for John Rahm to finish the way he did on 17 and 18, yep. all you can do is just sit back and tip your cap and say, dude, that was unbelievable. All the putts. Every, well, and then you tie in what happened to him, right? With the whole COVID thing getting pulled off, oh, it was absolutely brilliant on Father's Day. Like Rom, the storylines of Rom were of intriguing. By the way, with uh, Morikawa, it was great. Uh, the approach shots were beautiful at times. He was third yesterday, 
in fourth round in uh, shots or strokes gained approach. 53rd in putting. 53rd in putting. Yep. There you go. That'll do it to you. The, the guy has so much talent. He does. But the putting is just going to follow the money here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. A lot of tweets to get to uh, coming up next. Uh, another doozy, by the way. Just animals this summer. Watch out. It's going to be coming fast and furious coming up next. Racing fan, First Bets is the place for you with wagering on races at more than 300 tracks and AI-assisted picks. It is the easiest way to bet on your favorite sport for secure payments, attentive customer service, and a reliable website. All brought to you by Express Bets. Sign up using the promo code Vegas100 today and get up to a $100 match bonus on your first deposit. Visit vcin.com slash horses for details. That's vcin.com slash horses. Promo code is Vegas. 100. So I saw the Bucks open up last night as high as, well, the opener was minus $4. Mm-hmm. Now this morning we're seeing Bucks at 450, 475. There's a book that has at least $5 in the Bucks this morning. You think uh, the Bucks could take the Hawks apart here in a relatively quick series based on how they match up against Atlanta? Yeah, like a six, five game series. Like, I don't want to. Atlanta clearly deserves credit for what they've done up to this point. And there is, you know, like we were discussing before, there's a there's a universe in which Atlanta comes out and Trey Young pick and rolls to the open shooters are just destroying Milwaukee's perimeter defense. Sure. And they're using that soft area of that drop coverage to exploit him with those floaters. But I think at the end of the day, Drew Holiday versus Trey Young, like where are you hiding him defensively as well? There's so many things I think that work in the Bucks' favor. Yep. So this is a good tweet from uh, Roger Sherman on Budenholzer said that uh, Mike Budenholzer always looks like he just bet an amount of money he can't afford to lose in a casino game. He doesn't fully understand. So good. Playing the uh, the Dan Lemitard game. What's Mike Budenholzer <laughs> looks like a guy, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. That actually kind of feels like Mike Budenholzer a little bit. Yes. I think he may have pegged that one. Well, did you see the uh, this the screenshot of him during one of the games? There was like a foul call. He just grabs his hair. He's like doing this. Yeah. Oh, he was freaking out. Uh, that's what I do a lot when I watch the Bucks on offense as well. Very true. Yeah. Uh, how about this from uh, Doug Fleming? He tweeted, uh, Paulie and me. He said, uh, this is definitely win. This is, well, he says win-lose. I'm going to say this is lose-some. At Disney World, cooling <clears> in front <throat> of women and children. This photo here is just... Uh, and by the way, I'm trying to figure out: is this a cutoff shirt? No, it's clear. You could tell. Look up, is like it, right by his chest. Oh, I see it right yeah, there. I didn't look up, up there. I didn't. I'm just. I'm so. I mean, I, I can't look anywhere but the belly. Look, can I not make the argument that this is actually winning? If you feel like this point in your life that you can do this, and well, by the you, way, if you don't care about anything, sure. Right. And by the way, let's not ignore like the shirts pulled up. Let's look at the backside as well. Those are pulled down a little bit too low. Yeah, but look at the front. Look at that though. That's impressive. The, the way the stomach overhangs like that, I don't think he can pull the shorts up much further. That's impressive. Is that to the point of where you're going to be at some point in your life, you think? Disney World, taking the kids, maybe grandkids when you're 68 years old. 
Like, I hope not. You, you, you just completely lost control, and you're like, right. I don't care. Here comes the shirt. I'm it's dying soon. I just want to be comfortable as much as possible. I mean, did you see the lines at Disneyland? Is this a Disneyland? I mean, Jesus. It looks insane over there. I think he said, that, well, this is Disney World, but I'm sure oh, it's yeah. similar to any, oh, any of them. Get out of here. Well, how it, long was Disneyland shut down for? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, the, the whole pandemic, right? Yeah. The, the panoramic shot when you're driving through and the lines, like, it looks like over a mile long just to get tickets. Yeah. Just to get tickets. Yes. Have you taken the young one yet? No. Or is he, is he too young? Probably He's too yet? young. Yeah. Okay. I also, I'm, I love theme parks. I don't like waiting in line. I'm not dealing with it. I told my wife, I'm like six, seven, maybe. Okay. What's, what's the longest you've ever waited in line? Like, it, like for something I want? Like DMV stuff, obviously. No, I'm talking about like to go on a ride. Oh, yeah, like the two, two hours or something like that. Yeah, because I've yeah. waited for more than an hour at Space Mountain for sure. Yep, That's happened. I remember one time at Indiana Jones, we waited for basically an hour. We got all the way to the front. Sorry, folks, shut down. Oh, But, but the th- then they like say, here's a fast pass or whatever. You get right to the front of the line at another ride. But still, that's demoralizing. Yeah. Space Mountain is usually the one that's pro- pretty long, one of the more popular ones. Or the uh, Splash Mountain also. Yes, also very good. Um, let's see here. This is uh, was this at a game in Wrigley the, from Baseball Newsletter. Okay. This, this is just so good. Oh, my God. I hope I get to see a home run baseball t- or home run today. <laughs> Look at this. On the phone... Just lost in whatever she's looking at. People are going crazy around me, and I have no idea why. Right, exactly. <laughs> Is something happening right now in the game? She's tweeting baseball so boring. Baseball, I hate, I hate <laughs> baseball. I can't believe I'm at this game. Nothing ever happens. Right, it's so uneventful. Oh, there you go. There's a home run right next to you. But is, so is, by the, is this woman in the middle in the blue, is she taking the, the home run to the chest? Because it looks like she's about, like, I don't know the angle. It looks like the baseball is going, like, right for her I, gut. I think that's exactly what happened. Pretty good picture. That's got to hurt. There's a lot going on in that picture. I noticed this, by the way, many, many years ago, many years before VEASAN started. Just observations from going to, like, Mm -hmm. ballparks and games and various events. People just, I don't know why people go. I've been to, this goes back to, like, 2017. I went to Guns N' Roses. I've said this before on the air. The people in my section, they were on their phone the entire time. Right. One guy was, like, recording and, like, on, can you, can you record, like, FaceTiming. Really? You can see like his girlfriend up in the upper left, and there's like he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, look at that. The whole time, the whole Experience the whole concert, concert, the whole concert. I'm not kidding. That's awesome. Other people are like FaceTiming, but they're talking to somebody when the concert's going on. That's well, see, that's like I can understand. Baseball is kind of a long and boring sport. What, what's interesting about that picture is like clearly there's people cheering and there's action, and the ball has reached the stands. Like at some point, you look up. Of course, that's pretty astonishing. But like you know. Like, so the last baseball game I went to was during the Raptors-Warriors NBA Finals. Okay. So like I was watching Game 5 while I was watching I Angels and Dodgers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there's excuses. But also, like one of the best moments ever of somebody in the crowd was, remember the old lady on her phone was thinking about a random Hornets game? Took a basketball straight oh, to the dome? Oh, sure, of oh, course. Yeah. yeah. That was an older woman, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So good. And this is a good tweet from uh, Jeff Goodman. And it kind of just, I mean, I'll never forget 2015 in college basketball. Kentucky was undefeated. And uh, going to be like the first team in the history, you know, since Indiana won in 1976 to not lose a game. <clears throat> and they lost to Wisconsin Final Four weekend. Look at this. Booker was the, uh, and I thought Booker, I said at the time, Booker can play in the NBA tomorrow. He's that good, right? His game matches what the NBA's turned into. He was the fourth Kentucky player off the board in that draft. That draft in 2015 went cat number one, 
Willie Cauley-Stein, who I thought went high at number six. Trey Lyles mm-hmm. was awesome at Kentucky. I thought he was going to be better than what he is. Booker went 13th overall to the Suns. And he's clearly the best player of the four. Yeah, and if you go back to right after Carl Anthony Towns was drafted, you know how they do that annual GM survey? Mm-hmm. And they talk, if you could start a, a franchise with any player in the league tomorrow, who would it be? Carl Anthony T- Towns was the player in back-to-back GM surveys. Not anymore. No. Nope. Watching Devin Booker get to his spot, do whatever he wanted against the Clippers yesterday. I think this is great for the NBA. Uh, 100%. Yeah. If anybody is saying that this is awful, you have parity, you have good young stars that are yes. front and center, Giannis, Trey, Devin, it's, it's incredible. Quickly, can we go to the dog video here real quick? This is great. And this is, by the way, we can't play because they got like a Snoop Dogg song in the background. But look at this guy. Look at him. Love and life. <laughs> Windows down. Sunglasses are on. She comes up. Hey, buddy. He reaches he up the paw to give her the high five. Extends it out. Oh, I love that video. Brady Cannon on the program coming up next. We'll recap the U.S. Open. He had John Rahm. Who does he like this week, if anybody, at this point? And the Open Championship next month as well. Bets, daily specials, odds boosts, and the largest offer of live in-play options. BetRiver Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And to make your experience even more rewarding, BetRivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time play through BetRivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Got to be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Talk some golf here. Brady Cannon does a great job hosting Long Shots, the world's number one rated golf betting show. He's also uh, on VSIN a lot, hosting and guesting throughout the entire week. And he had John Rahm at the U.S. Open, who uh, obviously was a winner yesterday. Congrats, Brady. Thanks for the time today. How are you, pal? Hey, I am great, and thank you very much. And congrats to John Rahm. I mean, you know, winning my bet was obviously thrilling, and that adds to the whole emotion and excitement of the event. But boy, were we really treated to a story, and rarely do you get that unfolding in sports, kind of that, you know, that Disney-like movie that unfolds that we all kind of want to see happen, but it, it ra- rarely does, and, and John Rahm, I don't know if everybody really knows, but first of all, of course, you have the failed COVID test when he comes off of the green on Saturday with a six-shot lead three weeks ago at the Memorial and he's, you know, really stripped of that title or, or would-be title uh, at Jack Nicklaus's tournament. And so there's the redemption factor there that he returns to uh, kind of make up for that. But also his very first PGA Tour career victory was at Torrey Pines in 2017. And, you know, he has such a, an affinity for that occasion and that place he proposed to his wife at Torrey Pines. 
and his family was there on the grounds with him, uh, and it was the first time in over a year that he had seen his family because of COVID. They're over in Spain, so he was able to be with them, and then, as you guys probably saw on TV, his child is about three months old, uh, and it's Father's Day, and he wins his first major on this venue. I mean, you know, you just go on and on with how the stars aligned for John Rahm, and it was really awesome. I, I, I enjoyed watching this come to fruition. That was just as exciting, and having a couple bucks on him was uh, a real bonus. That was a great recap. It really was. And for a golfer, I mean, this is not, I mean, the U.S. Open is typically like the most difficult major to play on. And for a golfer to win it like he did with putts like that on 17 and 18, I mean, we might not ever see that again. So cool. And, and you know, we see the replay of Tiger in 2008 and uh, his, you know, electric fist pump, double fist pump, I believe, for Tiger making that putt to force the playoff with Rocco Mediate. Well, yeah, a couple of nice uppercuts by John Rahm on 17 and 18. And, and just amazing uh, that, you know, the putt on 17, obviously I was really rooting for him. I'm like, okay, make this one. And he does. You there? Did I lose yeah. you guys? No, you there? got you. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so he makes it, and it, it was fantastic. And then uh, on 18, boy, the strategy to play away from the flag because he didn't want to shoot at the flag with the water behind it and hits a tremendous bunker shot to still give himself a chance for birdie 18 feet away. And then I don't know if you guys saw, he noted – that he recalled, he goes, I remember that putt slows down at the hole because I saw Lee Westwood's putt do that in 2008. He brought that up in his head before he struck that blow on 18, and, and what a great memory and you know thought process before he makes that putt. Uh, but to hold that one on 18, that, it, right after what he did on 17, yeah, it was it just adds to, and you talked about it, Mitch, what a day in sports. I mean, John Rahm, and then you've got the, the Suns and the Clippers. and The longest day of the year, the summer solstice, we're treated to just an incredible buffet of action. Mm-hmm. Well, And Brady, I thought what was really incredible about Rahm, you know, outside of the two putts, which were absolutely insane, he was the steady hand as everybody else around him was falling apart. You know, all of a sudden it seemed like the clock struck midnight and all these guys just can't find fairways or out in the rough trying to get themselves out of tough positions. And here's Rom for the most part, consistently finding fairways, doing everything he possibly can to just guide the steady hand down the rest of the way in the back nine. He was awesome. Yeah, totally. And, and that's a U.S. Open, you know, uh, fairways and greens and, and just being able to control your emotion. Uh, it was really incredible. I was on the green zone with Wes Reynolds, who also had John Rahm, and we were, of course, rooting for him. And, you know, when the leaders were through about six or seven holes, you looked at that leaderboard. I mean, Rory got to four under par. Brooks Kepka got to four under par. Colin Morikawa got to four under par. Paul Casey was to three under. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau was in the lead for three or four holes. It, you just had a leaderboard that was so insane. And then, you know, not far off of that, you had Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley and Matthew Wolf and Dustin Johnson. It, it, it was just really something. And then, you know, they turned to the back nine, and all of a sudden, some guys started to unravel, especially DeChambeau. 
And and I said this, and you know, I, I had the, I was fortunate enough to be able to write a post round recap each day for all the Beeson subscribers and and viewers and what have you. And I said that maybe Rory and Bryson peaked too early because on Saturday, Rory McIlroy came out and said this. He said that was the best round of golf I've played in a long time, better than when I won at Quail Hollow six weeks ago or whatever it was. And that was his Saturday round he was referring to. And then Bryson DeChambeau on Saturday shot a flawless round without a single bogey on the card at all. And I said, you know what, maybe those guys peaked on Saturday mm-hmm. and are not going to be able to, you know, repeat something to that level on Sunday. So I'm not going to be betting on them in the final round because I don't know if they can come back with another effort uh, similar to what they did on Saturday. And sure enough, uh, Rory was pretty darn good, but Bryson unraveled, you know, to the tune of a 44 on the back side. I mean, yeah. how about the fact that uh, his ball was next to like a 12-pack of beer or something? <laughs> right. I don't know if you guys saw right. that. I think that kind of summed up the round for him. Of course. Yeah, exactly. And, and Azinger on the coverage says maybe he'll want a few of those before he has to hit this shot. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I, want, you know, I was going to ask you this regardless of the outcome. I was actually hoping to ask you um, – it's a better question if Rom didn't win, because at the top, right, when you look at the majors and when you have the best golfers in the world in these events together, there's not a lot of separation between, like, Rom and DJ and, uh, you know, Rory and Spieth and JT with the numbers. Uh, some others that, are, you know, Brooks is in that mix, obviously, between, like, and I think Rom here at Circle was 13-1 to 1 last week before it came down, but other guys are 15 and 16, 17. I was going to ask you if there's a guy... You know, in that field, most likely to have his odds drop in future majors, meaning like you're never going to find 10 to 1 ever again on him. It's going to be like 4 or 5 to 1. Was that golfer John Rahm? And I think because of the win yesterday, I think the answer is probably automatically got to be him, yes? Well, yeah, I mean, John Rahm, uh, obviously, Dustin Johnson is ranked number one in the world. But really, for the last six months, the best player in the world has been John Rahm. And, and it wasn't that long ago that for a short time he was ranked number one in the world. Yep. But, uh, I mean, th- this guy is just an amazing talent and really was kind of discovered, quote-unquote, by Phil Mickelson out of Arizona State and just started, you know, killing Mickelson when they would play friendly matches. And he was announcing to the world at that time, uh, fresh out of college, that this guy is already a top ten player in the world. So uh, he's been that good for a while. Uh, but, you know, it, it's – I mean, you remember when Tiger was – even money sure. to win major championships. Yes. I mean, it was absolutely insane. I don't know if we're going to get there with any of those guys, but you look at the top four or five in the world, like you mentioned, JT, DJ, Rom, Xander Schauffele, uh You know, they're all, I mean, if you look at uh, the upcoming British Open, John Rom's 10 to 1. Those are already out at Westgate. So I don't know if and when we're going to see single digits, but that's probably only going to be dictated by the action that comes in on them. I think the opening numbers on those guys are probably still double digits where we're at. Okay, good answer. Have you uh, taken a peek at the U.S., or I'm sorry, the Open Championship Board enough to actually make a wager or two already? 
I did look last night just to kind of see, and I noticed that John Rahm was at uh, 10 to 1. But the, the numbers are pretty much uh, the same for everybody else. You know, Brooks is going to be in the neighborhood of 16, and DJ's about 12, and Rory's about 18, and that type of thing. Uh, just bringing it up here now, you had uh, Rory and DJ and Rom. In fact, it looks like Rom maybe went up. They're all at 12 to 1. JT, Kepka, you know, 18, 16, DeChambeau, Shoffley at 20. So, yeah, I don't have a feel for uh, who I'm going to land on. It, what I was looking at, though, was Louis Oosthuizen. And, by the way, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this guy. I mean, are you kidding? How good is Louis Oosthuizen? And how about the fact that he makes an improbable birdie at the last hole after putting it in the rough? He can't even advance his ball to the green as much as I was thrilled about my win on John Rahm and the story that we referenced for him as a person, I felt bad for Louie. This guy just continues to finish second in majors. He has the bridesmaid grand slam. He's finished second in every major championship. Oh. I believe it's six times now that he's finished second and unbelievably class player and class person. Uh, It's tough where he just continues to have to congratulate the guy who beats him by a shot or two, Uh, but he's able to do it, and and my hat's off to Louis Eustazen for sure. Brady, we're up against it, but this week on Long Shots, you have uh, Chris Felica on to talk about the tournament, huh? Yeah, we like to keep our guests regional where they cover a course that's kind of in their backyard. And, of course, we're in Hartford, Connecticut for the Travelers and Chris being in Bristol from ESPN. He's a perfect fit for a preview of that golf tournament. Very good, Brady. Thanks so much for the time today. And, again, congrats on Rom. Thank you, guys. Yep. And long shots you can get at vcin.com slash podcast. They'll do that a little bit later on in the week. Of all the players, he's the first to accomplish this since 1976.